whether we like it or not, first impressions are judged by our appearances. And people form their first impressions in less than a tenth of a second. It doesn't mean those first impressions always stick, but perception can be reality. No one knows that better than Emily Franks. She is the lead color artist at a locally owned salon in Fort Wayne, Indiana called The Red Stiletto. Not only does she make women feel beautiful on the outside, but also on the inside by having deep, intellectual, emotional, and spiritual conversations while they sit in her chair. I can say that because I too have sat in Emily's chair and can vouch for the sanctuary she has created for all the women passing through. Emily talks, listens, and connects with every single single guest she meets. She's created a community where women can sit and share some of their gravest concerns, their darkest secrets, and their greatest triumphs. By allowing women to tell and share their stories over the last 15 years, Emily has created a rather unique tribe. And today, she is allowing you to join her tribe on the News Mom podcast. She chases toddlers while chasing stories. This is News Mom. First and foremost, as I mentioned, you are in the beauty industry. Do you consider yourself a technician, a stylist, or what's your actual definition of what it is that you do? That's a great question. <laughs> I don't know if I have a definition. I have a cosmetology license, so you could call me a cosmetologist. Mm-hmm. Um a lot of people call us stylists mm-hmm. or uh, artists. I've heard people refer yes, to you as their artists. Um, at the Red Stiletto, we are called artists. We refer to ourselves as artists. If you look on our website, we are artists. So we have hair artists and makeup artists. My mom is in the beauty industry. Um, her and her best friend actually co-own a salon. But my mom's best friend, she considers herself a hairdresser, and then my mom does nail, so she considers herself a nail technician. So I never know when it comes to the beauty industry what people really refer to um, themselves as. It's funny if I say that I'm a stylist, sometimes people think clothing. Oh, good point. I wouldn't have thought that, but it makes sense. I can see that. And then when you say artist... That could be a million different. With hair as my medium of choice. (laughs) And coloring hair as well. Um, So you brought up the Red Stiletto. What a great local female-owned salon here in Fort Wayne, Indiana for all of our local ladies. That's where you want to go. It's where I go. And that's actually how I met you quite a handful of years ago now. I know. um, Gosh, I don't even know. Five, six years maybe? I I don't know. I could look up your first visit. But it's, it was clear back when I had brunette hair. So I know it's And been we were a while. doing extensions yeah, and we've all done some the wild things. things. But that's initially how I got to know you. I did not know you previously. I, I found you online via the Red Stilettos website. You are the lead color artist. I'm platinum blonde. So I needed somebody who was skilled and good at their job. So well, thank that's you. where you came in. But we've really kind of gotten to know each other over the years. And I can't help but wonder. And again, my mom works in a really similar world, world that you do. So I've seen this firsthand a little bit. But I'd be curious to hear your thoughts. You know, when women come to you, I know there's men as well, but we're, we're talking about mamas here. When women come to you and they sit in your chair and their head is in your hands, do you find that women are like pouring their hearts out to you about their day to day, their kids, their family, their work? I am a very open individual personally. I have been told that I overshare. I'm an oversharer <laughs> and maybe to a fault. But I find that like attracts like. More often than not, I have people who also are oversharers who sit in my chair. Honestly, I don't care to have surface level conversations. The get to know you stage, I want it to last very little time. I want to dig in, I want to get deep, I want to know you, mm-hmm. know your heart, know your why. 
on a lot of reasons, like why you tick or how you tick or all of those things. So I would say yes, but that's who I attract. So you kind of pour that out of the women, the people sitting in your chair. What made you yeah. choose this career path then? Because it sounds like you should have maybe got into psychology. <laughs> I didn't choose this career path, honestly. Um, it kind of found me. I always thought I was going to be a teacher. I wanted to be an elementary teacher. I went through. I can totally see that, by the way. When I was in high school, I did like the cadet teaching program. I went and I taught half day at an elementary school during my senior year. I enjoyed the kids. I enjoy teaching them. I enjoy watching the learning process. And after high school, I went to college for it. I started with all of my core classes. I was like, I'm going to get all my core classes out of the way and then dive into the teaching courses later on in my college career, thinking like that'll be the best, most freshest things that I've learned to take into the workforce. And I failed miserably at college. Really? I did. I graduated with honors from high school. It was a breeze. So what happened? <laughs> I think I had zero study skills. Yeah. And I was so uninterested in the core class, the core classes, like... um political science couldn't care less you and I probably wouldn't have been very good friends in college. no like honestly political <laughs> like class. I know government as I've become an adult I've become more interested in it but not in the same I get way it, not when you're 19 no not when you're 18 yeah so I failed my college courses and I felt like such a failure and I was lost I was midlife crisis at the age of 19 so what'd you do I cried to my mom <laughs> like most 19. Stop 34 and I still cry yes. to my mom. And she she said, Emily, you're so good at hair. I had grown up in recitals. I'd been in dance since I was two. So hair and makeup was a part of my life since I was two. I did show choir. I did musical theater. So avant-garde things with hair and makeup. I was always doing all of the other girls' hair and helping them get ready for their shows. And she just mentioned, you know, you're, you've been really good at this why why don't you look into it and i went to tour a school and i got that like buzz that you get when mm -hmm. something's really exciting and i enrolled right then i was top of my class i graduated so you were excelling you oh, were passionate yeah. about it isn't oh, it amazing yeah. how passion can breed that kind of success and it's funny because my dad is in trades my brother is in trades and we can say that hair is a trade mm -hmm. we get a certificate we don't get a degree it was hands-on learning, and I think that's what I needed. So then how long have you been doing hair? 15 years. Have you been at the Red Stiletto that long? Or how I've been you, at the Red Stiletto there? for 10 years. It was a rough journey to find my home mm -hmm. where I belonged. Um, I've been at four salons in town. Wow, but 10 of those years were at the same salon. Correct. So the first, a lot. the first yeah. like four years were floundering years, you know. Yeah. I went into a salon. It was toxic. I had to get out. I went into another salon thinking it was great. I was told otherwise. <laughs> to be fair, out of the four salons that I worked at, two of them no longer exist. Oh, well, that's <laughs> everything we need to know right there. Um, back to these women then. That, yes. That sit in your chair and you're kind of digging deep. You're having these really, you know, thought-provoking conversations. And I know that because I've sat in your chair for yeah. a handful of years. We have fantastic conversations. I think so, too. I, I feel like you're one of my like inner circle friends, even though I only see you every like eight weeks. Well, no, let's um, change we that. are going to change that. You're absolutely <laughs> right. We are going to change that. What do you find collectively that mamas are saying to you? Is there ever a theme, right? I mean, especially right now with everything going on in today's crazy world, coming off COVID and education, or, or does it not get that deep? Oh, no, we get that deep. Sometimes... I get in trouble for getting deep with my guests. <laughs> I enjoy it. I think that they need it. Yeah. 
obviously they wouldn't be talking to me about it if they didn't. But it's all over the place. A a common theme is this is terrible, but the complaints of your partner not helping out at all. That's pretty common. (laughs) Right. And and then it's just nice to find comfort in knowing that somebody else is struggling too. It's relatable and you're like, oh gosh, I'm not the only one who deals with this. And that's great. Yeah. That's the whole point of this podcast really is for all of us to openly share mm -hmm. that we all kind of go through. We all complain about our husbands every now and then. And ladies, every once in a while, your husband's complaining about you too. Oh gosh, I hope so. Yeah, I hope so too. (laughs) I, I do have a few men who sit in my chair and thankfully they open up about their see, spouses see, exactly. and it goes, it goes both, both ways. ways it does um but it's usually stages of life of children mm-hmm. right whatever stage we're going through are they sleeping through the night are they regressing how is weaning off bottle mm-hmm. how's potty training how's school age how's friend groups you know so my oldest elsa is 13 my middle boy duncan he's 10 he'll be 11 in august and then molly is my youngest at six so you've kind of got the full gambit yeah, we've been through a lot of stages of life with them so far. I haven't gotten into high school driving, not too much dating. We are just starting to dip the toe. Oh, I bet with the 13-year-old, I bet. A little bit. <laughs> I feel I've pumped the brakes on her yeah. enough that we're not there yet. But I've been through it, and with having three kids, they've all been a little different. Yeah. And so although unsolicited opinions or advice, I try really hard to be supportive and neutral when moms sit in my chair and complain or ask me for help or maybe not ask me for help and and then I give it anyway. But I, that's the thing, though. I think you are a great sounding board for that. You I just tried. said it. You've been in this industry for 15 years. You have been communicating and conversing with everyday normal women for the last 15 years of your life on a really personal basis. And again, I know that because I sit in your chair. I know that my mom does this exact, you know, not the exact same, but is in the exact same industry. And the stories that she says other women and people tell her, I'm actually always quite mystified. We touch. Uh, yeah. When yes. we touch somebody, yeah. it's so personal. It's. Um, I had a friend come to me for the very first time and in the shampoo bowl, I'm giving her her shampoo, I'm massaging her scalp, and she said, I didn't realize how intimate this would feel. That was the first time that was said to me, intimate. And I was like, oh my gosh, you're right. It's non-sexual touch that we desire. And I get to give it to you, and that's... That's cool. I, I tell you what, I get the massage, which, by the way, I've told Oof. you before, you give the best scalp massage Well, ever. and my but, assistants, well, I train them up not, well. They're not too shabby either, <laughs> but it, it gives you goosebumps. It feels great. I mean, yes, I does. close my eyes. I relax. I'm telling you, it's like therapy for me. In fact, during COVID, I know you all were not considered essential employees. Oh, we were. Um, I, it was I a lie. I 100% think you all are essential employees. I'm like, do you see these roots? And I need my therapy session. Yeah. With Emily here, I can't imagine the impact that had on you guys. What's great is that you said, you know, for 15 years I've talked to women. And when I get to hear your story mm-hmm. and then another woman sits in my chair and she tells me something similar, I go, you know what? I just had a guest in here recently and she was complaining or telling me the same sort of thing. And exactly. this was how what she went through or this is how she combated it. I try so hard to, like I said, be neutral even when someone's opinions don't match my own. Right, right. And at the end of the day, you're going to do hair of women who are Democrats and women who are independents, of women who are Republicans, of women who don't give a darn. You know, that's just just the nature of business. And I think you are a good businesswoman and have a good business sense to always keep that top of frame of mind. 
when it comes to your three kiddos and just uh, the job that you do have, do you find, I mean, is that schedule demanding? Is it hard? Because it's a hustle, first of all, to even make money in your industry. If you're not willing to hustle, in fact, I'd probably argue you maybe are not cut out for the beauty industry. But how has that played into your dynamic of your family life? That's a great question. When I decided to join the industry, I really thought that I would be able to live a flexible schedule so that I could have a family. That's kind of what they preached mm-hmm. in beauty school. They were, look how wonderful. You get to make your own schedule. You get to have a family. You get to have all of these things and a career. That's a lie. Yeah, because the problem it's with a that lie. is most women work normal nine-to-five jobs. They're getting right. their hair done at 6 p.m. We are or at Saturday. the mercy of our clients' yep. schedules, right. and we have to fit that into our lives. And I did that for many, many years. And then I finally decided to take control of my schedule. And it was just recently. You've been with me yep. since I've done this. It's, what, three, four years yeah, it's really now? really not working out for me. No, just kidding. <laughs> I think it works out best for you. It does actually with work your out schedule. great for me. Um, and it's amazing how many women were able to be flexible with me to change their schedule so that I could be home with my yeah. children. It's because we can we can all understand, we can all under all But that's relate. what I had to do. I had to fix it so that my target market, the people who are sitting in my chair, understand me mm-hmm. and I understand them. It's it's a respect that goes both ways. So yes, I have three children. Uh, they all are in school. They all have activities. I do limit their activities based on my availability. My husband works a job where he is out of town about half the time. Not to say that he's unreliable. I use the word unreliable, and that's such a negative term to use for a spouse who's out of town. Yeah, but his sense. his schedule makes it so I cannot rely on him being home at any given time. I, I joke that I co-parent with my parents. Yeah. So I'm very blessed to have my parents here in town. They retired so that they could help me take care of my oh, children. And they have been huge in that. You're lucky, and because I get this, this I, I hear when you say unreliable, it kind of sounds negative. It but does. I would argue I'm the unreliable parent um, with my husband and I. I mean, I'm here at our studio by 4 a.m., and my show is live from 5 a.m. to 9 a.m. that I host during the weekday. So I'm really unreliable from 5 to 9 a.m. There are mornings when our daughter wakes up puking or she's got a fever, and my husband has to figure it out. There, there's no calling me. I can't come home. I can't help, at least until after 9 a.m., that is. So I I, I get what you're saying. Right. I am the unreliable parent in my I relationship. I mean, I could argue that I'm also unreliable because I am at the mercy of my client's schedule. Well, that's true. That's what you said. Yeah. I don't call in sick mm-hmm. to my guests in my chair. That's completely dis- I love that by the way that you call clients and I know this is a red stiletto thing but you you call us all your guests. Yes. I love that. Well you're coming into our space. Yeah. We are hosting you in our space. So yes, you are our guests and we want you to feel as such. When it comes to the beauty industry in general, I think sometimes um, it gets a lot of flack. You know that, that there's there's vanity in wanting to look good. Mm. I completely disagree with that. We've had this conversation before in the salon us and myself and the other girls. I sometimes say, man, man, are we are we vain? Mm-hmm. All we do is is look at how we how we look all day long, and we pick ourselves apart. We pick ourselves apart way more than we pick our oh, guests sure. apart. You yeah. know, I I get Botox, I do my roots, I you know I wear makeup every day to work to look a certain way, but it's also a confidence booster. Mm-hmm. I'm a firm believer in that. When we when we look good on the outside. outside. 
we immediately feel good on the inside. Correct. I can tell you right now, because there's a lot of days I roll into the studio, I don't have a lick of makeup on. Um, today, I barely have makeup on. You, you look can, great. You can see I didn't do my hair today. Um, but but when I do do my hair, when I do do full makeup, my posture changes. Right. My enthusiasm changes. My command behind the microphone at my job just changes. So to me, to get up in the morning, it is vital that I, I present myself and look good simply so I can feel like that on the inside. Whether that's right or wrong, I don't know. I suppose we can I don't debate that. But I, I think it's okay. Like, I think it's okay, too. Yeah. I'm not advocating for women to to get plastic surgery or spend millions of dollars on, like, crazy diet plans or anything like that. Because my definition of what looks good on me is probably going to be different than you and vice versa. And we have to remember that we're aging. Yeah. Every day we age. So yeah. our looks are going to change. I'm sitting here in front of you with an inch long of root. Most of them are gray. Now, now I'm looking. Now that I'm older, they're gr- very much gray. I always yeah. joke that I used to color my hair for fun, and now I I color my hair because I have oh, to. Oh, yes, yes, as you're getting older. Um, but that's okay. And I and I have to be okay with the fact that when I look in the mirror, I'm going to see more wrinkles yeah. or more gray hairs. And Ours. I think it's okay to accept the fact that when you have the inch of roots and you've got spaghetti stains on your shirt— sure. Yeah, you don't feel that certain sense no. of vigor for the day than when your roots are touched up. Correct. You know, or your eyebrows are, have been yes. waxed. You, you do just feel a certain sense of, of enthusiasm. And the beauty industry will dictate what makes women feel good, but I like to advocate for what makes you feel good. Amen to that. Yes. Right? Yes. I have, my clientele is mostly... Business women, so I would say that they're mid thirties and up, and I'll have women sit in my chair who are in their fifties, and they say, "Can I have long hair still?" Oh, of yes, course you, you can. can. Yeah, I'll ask. I'll answer for you. Yeah. Yes. Does it make you feel good about yourself? Yes. Do you like to curl your hair? Do you like to wear it up? Do you like to do different things with it? Mm-hmm. Yes. My mom is seventy three. Her hair is completely white. If she would let it go natural, we color it every three weeks. Oh my gosh, you do every we three do. weeks. Oh every my gosh. three weeks, this woman gets her hair colored, wow. and she says all the time to me now, "Do I have to let my hair go?" No. When do I have to transition? I say whenever you don't feel good about this anymore. Yeah. But she likes it. Why would I tell her not to do it? That's I. I that's me. I love short hair. Short hair makes me feel sassy. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I'm okay with it. I want to feel good. I want to feel vigorous, enthusiastic, and a little sassy sometimes. Right. That's now, where I rock it short. Where me as a professional will come in, might say something like, maybe you shouldn't do that color tone. It won't Match compliment your skin. Your, yeah. Yeah, your skin. That length might not look that great. Let's talk about it. Let's find what works best for your face shape, for your lifestyle. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. the big one for me, your lifestyle. True that. I hear you on that. You know, My hair takes you, me two seconds. Right. You would hate me if I gave you a a haircut that required you to get up every morning, shampoo, condition, blow dry style. You don't have that lifestyle. I don't like to I don't like to shampoo and style my own hair. I do it for everybody else all day long. Well, that's why you're the professional, though. We're counting on y'all to Mm -hmm. to give us advice for, again, our skin tone, the shape of our face, because those all are important factors. And when I meet somebody for the first time, I will do what they ask me to do with a little bit of my opinion. <laughs> and then eventually we we run into when you sit down in my chair and we ask at the red stiletto, 
How can I make you How happy? How can I make you happy? And I always say, do the same thing you did last time. I think Correct. I've been saying that to you also for the past like three or four years. Yes, I get do the same thing, which I might say, you know what? I've I've seen a few things. Do you want to see them? Maybe you're up for it. Maybe you're not. I also have women who say, I trust you. Mm-hmm. That's and pretty remarkable. That's huge. Yeah. yeah, That's huge. Some days, though, I hate that too. Why? Because the pressure's it all, on you. Right. Yeah. And it all depends on what my mood is. <laughs> Am I like, go for it? Like, I'm going to give you a whole new look like today. You're feeling good today. So you're, you're looking good. Or so I'm you're like, feeling good. Maybe just a root touch up. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, I never, I never just do anything. It's always for a reason. Yeah. And it's still my job, but I love it. And I love the women and I love the conversation and I love getting deep. I'm, I mentioned COVID because I still kind of do want to circle back to this and y'all not be considered essential workers, which I've already said it. I believe that y'all should have been. How did that impact you? I'm assuming COVID greatly impacted not only just you, but everyone there in the beauty industry. Oh, my gosh. COVID was so funny, right? We watched all of these things start to shut down. And we talked about it in the salon. And we're like, do you think that this is going to happen? No, 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 no. And then it was like, hey, guys. We heard from Hope. She's our owner. Hey, guys, they're shutting us down on mm. this day. I want to say it was like, I want to say it was like March 27th. And we're like, what's going to happen? She goes, they're shutting us down for two weeks. <laughs> we know how long that lasts. I know. And the funny thing is, is there was a pile of dirty towels. And I said, do you think I should take these home and wash them? And she goes, no, nah, we'll be back in two weeks. It'll be fine. Someone had to go get them dirty towels, didn't they? <laughs> oh, nobody did. So Three we, months later. We we were only shut down for seven weeks. Only? That's a long time, Em. Well, compared yeah. compared to other people who yeah. were shut I mean, Michigan was shut down forever. That's fair. Yeah. I also educate. So I'm an educator for a brand. Mm-hmm. And so I have stylist friends all over the country and being on text threads with them. And they're shut down and they're not working and they don't have an income luckily hope made us all employees before COVID happened so then we were all able to get unemployment plus biden's stimulation package i didn't know that i didn't know you all were we were we were good we were good we were making good money during our shutdown okay thankfully because hope had set us up like that yeah she did such a great job of setting up our business for success and i made sure that i was on lives at least weekly, touching base with my guests. Um, we did online sales. Mm-hmm. We talked about- You did know, tutorials. You did lots of tutorials. Lots of them. Just yeah. just to be interactive, make sure that people understood that I wasn't on vacation. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm shut down and I understand that I need you. You need me. We need each other during this. I don't know. It was just a funny time. So you're off for seven weeks. You also then probably got to see this perspective then firsthand as a mom because you're home. You got three kids at home as well. I did. We all know how that yeah. went. What kind of impact did COVID and you all being at home play on your kids? Well, the school district that we're in tried really hard to have school online mm-hmm. and Zoom, but they were just not they weren't even set up for e-learning yeah. I mean, yet. A lot, of, a lot of them weren't. And they had like 20 minutes of school a day. Yeah. And I was like, well, now what do I do with you? You know, <laughs> um, I tried to make them read and journal and do something artsy. Uh, we our school provided lunch every day, like the school lunch. Mm-hmm. So just to get out of the house, we would drive to the school and pick up school lunch. That saved me some money yeah, that's at great. least. And we got out of the house. We went on walks. Do we you feel like did... it impacted their mental state? Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Especially my oldest. Yeah. How so? 
Her OCD came out tremendously during this time period. It was really, really slight. You know, it was slow and steady. Mm -hmm. But then after we got back into going places, she would come home from anywhere and want to instantly shower. The girl changes her sheets every other day at home still. When she has friends over, she'll complain that they're, like, touching her stuff. I'm not allowed to clean her room. I mean, at least she probably keeps it clean then, right? I mean. She does. She is an organized hoarder, though. Mm-hmm. An organized hoarder. I like that. She probably has a touch of ADHD. She likes to see her things. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a trait of that. Like, you like to see where all of your stuff is. She has, like, mini collections. She loves her hand sanitizer and her lotions and her body sprays, mm-hmm. all of her smelly goods. She is very particular. She's very. a 13-year-old girl. Well, I'm glad that she's that type of 13-year-old. You yeah. know, there are the, it's the opposite, too. Ooh, yeah. yeah. And I know usually that's with boys, <laughs> but you can see it in girls, too. We, uh, we also mentioned very brief in passing your husband. Mm. I kind of want to go there because a lot of people probably don't know this about you. You are married to a man who is from South Africa. Mm-hmm. To me, when I first learned that about you, I don't know why, that kind of um, blew my mind a little bit. And I don't know if I've ever asked you this story. And if I if I did, I apologize because I don't remember it. How on earth, his name is Charles, but how on earth did you meet Charles? He was working in America on a work visa that was, I don't know if they're owned or just under, I'm not sure what the right term is, but his work visa was with a company called Bell City Amusements. Bell City Amusements is a traveling carnival, the kind oh. that's set up at your what? local fair. Like for real? Like and real? Tear down. Like water for elephants kind of thing here. Yeah. I mean, you know, the... <laughs> More modern. The rides, you know. <laughs> Not so much the animals. No, no animals, but definitely rides. He, it's funny because when he was young, he would call himself a ride engineer. Mm, mm, that sounds that's fancy. fancy. Oh, sure. Yeah. You're, you're a carny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's be real. And we jokingly, we lovingly called him an Afrikarny because ah, he's from Africa. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he was a carny. He worked for a carnival that traveled from Florida up through, I think, southern Michigan and then back down. I've definitely never asked you this story because I would remember that. I, I would know, have remembered right? that. Funny. Okay, so keep going. Okay, so he came here the first year. It was like nine months on, and then you go home, and he did it for a second year. And the second year he was here when he was in Fort Wayne at the Three Rivers Festival back in the day when they used to set up their midway at the Coliseum parking lot. I met him at a Walmart. Me and my friends were on our way to a party, and there was a boy in the arcade of that Walmart who was kind of cute. And my one friend dared me to go talk to him. And so I did. This was not my husband. This was another guy. His name is Lucas. And I walked up to him and I said something stupid. I don't know. Are you winning? Or I don't know. I just made conversation. And when he spoke to me, he had an accent. And I said, where are you from? He said he was from South Africa. He said all of his friends were outside. They were waiting for taxis. They were working at the carnival. They had just gotten their groceries for the week. How old are you all at this time? I was 19. Okay. Up to no good. Nothing good happens after midnight. You're brave. 19. I don't know that I would have walked up to. Here's the next brave thing that happened. Okay. I said, I'm going to a party. Do you want to come with what me? Is wrong with and you? I invited strange boys into my vehicle to take them to a party. Yeah, because no. come on, the cute 
boys with accents. I was I get it. hooked, I, the man. Accent, I'm 19, boy, that probably would have had me hook, line, and sinker, too. The funny but. thing is is that Charles, my husband, was not part of this group. Oh, okay. He'd already left. He was already back at the carnival. And they said, we have to go pick up our friend. So I drove over there and I picked him up. You didn't think they were driving you to some, like, mysterious location? Where I was driving. Murder you? Well, I know, but telling you to go to some weird location. Oh no, we were know? just driving to the carnival, All which right. is at the midway, right? Oh, like Emily, I knew where I was. Anxiety. <laughs> and I like know how the story ends. The funny thing is, we went to that party. So you picked up Charles then at the Coliseum, yeah. There was like the six boys and me and a tiny Ford Focus. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! My mother listens to this. Has your mom heard? I this think story? so. I think I she knows so. all. Sorry, the, mom, I mean, she knows haven't. the story. Obviously, she's part of the story, but the, the, the details. <laughs> That's the best, though, as you do get older, we, you can tell we your mom at this and dad party. the details. They had a whole fridge full of beer, and these boys that I brought drank all of this kid's beer. Yeah, your mama ain't going to like these details. This boy was so drunk, not my husband, this boy who hosted was so drunk, I wouldn't let me and these South African boys leave without making sure he was okay. Good for we you. picked okay. him up from the front yard, put him in the bathroom near the toilet. Oh, we got gosh. him bread. We got him water. We were like, please what, don't do die. <laughs> yeah, please don't die. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Emily, Emily. I was safe. I was driving. Yeah, I was, but we ended up hanging out every day that week that they you were. And Charles, mm-hmm. so you and Charles. Except for one off. day. Okay. Like literally, I would get off of work. I worked at Joe's Crab Shack at the mm-hmm. time at like 11 o'clock. I would drive to the parking lot. I would hang out with them in the parking lot or we would go on drives. One night, Charles ended up at my house with me alone. Oh boy. And we talked all night. We sat in my garage and we talked all night into the morning. And my parents were getting up for work. They were getting up, getting ready for work. And my mom met him on her way out of the house to work. I lived at home at the time. Mm-hmm. And when she came home from work, she said, Emily... She heard a little bit of Charles' story, and she said, I think that we need to invite him to live with us. What? Because he was a young man who was trying to find an opportunity in America because there was no opportunities for him in South Africa. Mm -hmm. As a white male in South Africa, there is less opportunities. There's no such thing as financial aid for college. Finding a job is tough because they have quotas to fill, and white man is like low man on the totem pole for quota for job positions. Unless you have your own business, really, there's not a whole lot of opportunities. I did not know that. Yeah, it's crazy over there. So did you invite him to? I mean, Right. I called him and I was like, hey, my mom said you can come live with us. He's 20. I'm 19. We've known each other for seven days. This is wild. This is going to turn into a movie. He said, I have to go. I have to move on to the next stop. We don't get paid till Wednesday. I need to get my paycheck. I can't technically quit my job. They own my work visa. If I quit, they'll ship me back to South Africa. They'll sue me because Mm -hmm. of the money that they've spent on me to bring me over here, blah, blah, blah. So we had to be secret. Gotcha. So my mom drove me. I am learning a lot about you and your family today. To the next spot, which was Laporte, Indiana. And his friends, he packed everything into his, like, tote and backpack. That was all he owned in this world. And they drove him, his friends drove him to a hotel. We met them there. He jumped in our car and we brought him home. It's like a, like, like a lost puppy. Right. Oh my gosh. And so we knew each other for seven days. He moved into my house and we started this journey to try to figure out how to make him legal in America. And we looked into a student visa, mm-hmm. which is very expensive, by the way. Did not know that. We looked into sponsoring him, yep. which is also super expensive. The cheapest way to do it is to have another employer pick up his work visa and sponsor his work visa. And he had a couple of interviews with, like, Walmart Distribution, but nothing panned out. And we were getting closer and closer and closer to his visa expiring. So we said, let's get married. 
four months after meeting this man, we got married on a Monday in November. When you... When, I was 19 and he was 20. I'm like flabbergasted. I yeah. can't believe I've never asked you this. Of all those years of sitting in your chair. But I this, can't... but but why would you know that about me sitting in my chair? The, those appointments are for you. <laughs> those appointments are for you. I learn about Kayla. You don't learn about Emily. I, I did, <laughs> did you really love him at that time? You know I what? Mean, I don't think anybody knows after that short of time. And at 19, yeah. what the heck? Listen, do what I say, not what I do. I right. never advise anybody to do things like that. That's crazy town. Yeah, can you imagine right now if Elsa, at the age of 19, like... No, absolutely like, not. No, I right. would be like, you're dumb. Yeah, you're insane. I know. I raised you better than that. I know how this works out. So here we are, 19. My mom was slightly on board. My dad was silently not on board. Oh. Here's the thing. We laid it out. We figured it out. When you get married, you're not just automatically legal in America. There's a lot of steps to take. Mm -hmm. We had to change his visa from a work visa to a fiancé visa. Mm -hmm. 90-day fiancé, anyone? Yeah, Yeah, right. I get it. So we were a 90-day fiancé story. So then you have to get married within those first 90 days. That's what that 90-day fiancé means. It expires. So we got married, and then you get a temporary green card. And their temporary green card is good for two years. During those two years, there's things that if if you get picked up by the cops, if you you know commit a crime, mm-hmm. if you do all these, and you have to have a sponsor. My parents were my our sponsors. That meant that they were financially responsible for any debt that he would incur here in America if he happened to get deported. So and your dad was silently not in favor of this. Well, of course not. Yeah. Uh, he's a father, right? And oh, I'm his, yeah, I'm the no, baby of the family yeah. and the only girl. Hello, yeah. this was weird. We said we're gonna date. We're going to take these first two years of marriage and date each other. We lived at my parents' house for four years, the first four years of our marriage, actually. But those first two years before the temporary conditions were removed, we just got to know each other. And it was funny because a lot of things that came up that you would argue about with a boyfriend that might break you up, we worked just a little bit harder to stay together because we were married. Right. It meant more. And no, we we weren't in love we were in lust we liked the way each other looked you know we enjoyed spending time and i'm sure there had to be this certain allure i can only i mean i I know what it's like to be a 19 year old girl there's got to be a certain allure that it was kind of dangerous it was almost kind of it was it was interesting yeah out of the norm, I'm going to date and marry a man and, from South Africa. Right, and, and I would show up to gatherings with friends, and he was the interesting new toy. Of course. Right? You speak another language. How do you say peanut butter and Afrikaans? You know, like they all wanted to know weird words. <laughs> yeah. And, but, yeah, we we learned how to love each other. Mm-hmm. And so it's so different. That's beautiful. How long have you all been married now? 17 years. 17 years. The first four, you lived at home. Yeah, I was pregnant when I moved out of my parents' home into our first home together with Elsa. Being from South Africa, I mean, I know just again from our conversations that you are a religious woman, yeah. that it's a very big part of who you are, as it is me. Yeah. Were there religious differences then between you and Charles? I didn't recognize any. I knew he was a Christian. I knew he grew up Christian. The Difference was when we would go to my church, my church was small here in town. And he said, I don't like these small churches. I come from like these mega churches and I'd like to go to something a little bit bigger. So when we decided to start looking for a church as a married couple, we were looking into the the larger churches here in town. 
And it's weird because we had to bridge that gap. Mm-hmm. I liked the small sense of community. He liked a larger church. He likes to go to church, do church, and leave. I like to linger, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I like to make friendships and hang out. I'm I'm the mom, right? Like, yeah. oh, my gosh, mom, can we go now? Like, right, right. No, I'm talking. I'm talking. Yeah, I'm catching up. I'm, yeah, exactly. I don't see these women, but once a week or whatever. So, no, like, hang on a second. <laughs> so we had to find a church that fit our needs together, and we did that. We, we found it in LifeBridge here in town, and we've been a part of LifeBridge for 15 years, 16 years. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, we've attended there. My husband and I, you know mm-hmm. that. I've watched you sing um, yeah. part of the worship band. I was practicing on my way here. I'm singing oh, this were Sunday. You? Oh, you are? Oh, maybe we'll have to ask for a little sample here near the no, end. No, no, no. <laughs> but, you know, I think I, I, I actually really love your answer to that question. When it comes to selecting a church as a married couple, I mean, that's probably been one of the greatest challenges my husband and I have had. Right. And I love that that's kind of how you answered that question because, that's again, that's real. Yeah. So many couples go through that. I mean, to me, there's there's like this three-tier system when it comes to, to churches. You've got, to me, that sense of community that you're talking about, worship, and then the sermon. Those are mm-hmm. the three kind of big ones that, that my husband and I have discussed that we still, to this day, have been struggling to find a church that fits all three for us. And I'm, I'm part of me feels like, I don't know if it's a taint that we're all three going to be or both be able to check all three of those boxes. And as we've grown, our needs change. That's Yeah. And so that's been happening, which is interesting to me. My husband's needs have changed a little bit. And he's look at the world. I mean, just in the world over the last 15 years has changed so dramatically. And I would say that my husband is an extremist when he wants to know about something he dives in all in oh, he's like me yeah uh and it's annoying <laughs> you sound like my husband it's annoying Charlotte and i i think would get along really well he is like research and research and mm-hmm. research and he talks and he talks and he talks and i'm like oh my gosh can we talk about something yeah, else are you done yet anytime yeah. now yep it sounds you guys but sound he'll, like us. he'll find something and find it interesting and just start going on the video vortex, right? Mm-hmm. Cause we have information at our fingertips and I'm always like, where where are you getting this information? Because he'll get on TikTok. I'm not on TikTok. So I don't see I'm a lot not of this. on TikTok either. I do reels, Facebook okay. reels, Instagram. Yeah. I, I would argue that they're all very, very similar. You can find TikToks on reels, so it is what it is. But I'm kind of all over the place. I like to watch things that make me giggle yeah, and fill laugh, my cup that inspire right? me. Yeah. Every once in a while, I'll find something that's like, oh, interesting. That's research or something I didn't know. But then I take it for surface level. He will take it to the next. He'll like find something and be like, huh, I must learn more. And then go and go and go and go and go and go and go. So when you say he's kind of an extremist, you know, we're talking about Christianity. Right. Do you mean that with his faith? He's very extreme with his faith. He's gotten there. Yeah. He used to not be. He was very much, very much on the outside of things where I would push him. I'm like, you have to learn more. Yeah. You have to learn more. Now, do I eat my words a little bit? Because he Now you do. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes when he finds information, he'll take it and he'll run with it. And I'm like, I don't know if that's true. Yeah, but how great, though, that, that thought-provoking conversation that does probably come from that. that it does. That thirst for knowledge, that thirst for faith. I'm a firm believer that we we— if we're not learning, I mean, what are we doing? What are we doing? We yeah. might as well be dead. Whether yes. that's learning about our faith or learning about, uh, you know, I don't know, a certain trade that we do. Correct. L- learning Anything. about our kids. Whatever it is. If we're not learning and growing, there's just really no point. And I love education. I told you I'm an educator. Yeah. Yeah. I like to learn both sides of things. I like to learn, okay, politi- politics. Yeah. I don't know a lot. I learn 99% of all of my politics from the people who sit in my chair. Yeah. And I choose wisely who I trust. Smart. 
you smart girl are one of them because I know that you do your research and I'm you like research Charl. and you research both sides yeah I have to I, I know to. you have to what is that what's that quote um keep your friends close and your enemies closer I, I view that I think that way so with when politics. I like to learn things I like to learn both sides of it because I want to understand what the other side is thinking mm-hmm. as well um speaking of educating ourselves and educating yourself I couldn't help but notice you were at an event of mine that I hosted at this point months ago. Um, but the event was essentially about um, the transgenderism craze that seems to be gripping mm-hmm. a lot of young people right now, that seems to be really present in schools right now. And and I know we've had we're dealing conversations yes. about this, you and I, because you were at that event. And and let me be very clear, your kiddos, none of them we're identify not, as transgender, nothing like that. We're not dealing with it internally. Right. But we are dealing with You've seen it in your kids' schools, though, right? I mean, and and M, you are not alone on that. I have heard from so many parents. And I have failed you miserably because I have yet to finish the book. I really wanted to finish the book before we sat down here. Oh, that's okay. The book, the book is um, is the one by uh, Abigail Schreier. It was the event that we were at, trans the transgender craze seducing our daughters. Um, If you want to catch it and get a copy of it, please do. It's amazing. It is amazing. You know, and I've listened to her. I so. After that, because I can't just sit down and read a book all of the time, I like podcasts. Yeah, I do too. Here we are. Here we are. Yeah, obviously. (laughs) It's easy for me to put a podcast on and do something else Mm -hmm. at the same time Mm -hmm. so I can get two things done at the same time. I'm a multitasker. I listen to her speak, and a lot of what she's speaking on is in her book already. So I'm reading it. I'm hearing it. I got to be at the speech. I don't know what that's called. Is it a speech? Sure. You could call it a speech. I mean, it was open dialogue, open conversation. A Q&A. The Q&A. Let's call it that. With the author. And I loved it. And it was very neutral. Yeah. Right? It was very fact-driven. Again, we're learning from both sides. Yep. And it's With a, a weird... like that, I think you have, you have to, to be. be. A lot yes. of times people want to... It's funny. I, I can say this now. Um, when speaking with Abigail Schreier, again, the author of this book, prior to that event, um, she told me, no holds bar. You can ask anything. You can go anywhere. It doesn't matter. Hit me with whatever you got. Which, as, as a journalist... Because she's well-educated. Yeah, she's well-educated. She knew what However, she was for. What? the one thing she told me I wasn't allowed to go at was religion. She said, I really That's like fair. to keep religion out of it. And I said, Abigail, I respect you greatly for that. I am that's a God-fearing so Christian woman. I say it all the time. And that's where I struggle because my everything that I view on transgenderism is religious-based. Right. Same. A lot of mine is deeply rooted in my religious beliefs. However... I'm also very well aware that not everybody plays by the same book that I do, and right. that's okay. And right. therefore, I don't want to exclude anyone from the transgender conversation. I don't want people to think you have to be a Christian to have the conversation or not be a Christian to have the conversation. I think that the topic is so wildly important and impacting our young kids so greatly that we need to just flat level need to be all able to have the conversation on both sides. I struggle with it because, like I said, I like to know why. Mm-hmm. I said that the very beginning of us sitting down here and starting to talk, I want to know what makes you tick. Yeah. I want to know why. And my daughter, being 13, she's in seventh grade. She has several friends who are girls who identify as he, hims. Yeah. And they've changed their names. Oh, wow. Yeah. They, I don't even know I don't even know most of their. Is it all? Oh, is it real? Is it real? M. Do you know? I mean, again, I know that. So that's the that's the whole thing. Yeah. Like I keep saying, but why? Yeah. Why does this little girl who dresses like a beautiful girl, wears makeup, colors her hair, you know, wears crop tops, and 
things that show her feminine body mm-hmm. or wear skirts or whatever, and then they want to be a he, him. Do you identify as a girl and then use the pronouns he, him? And when I ask my daughter why, she tells me that's a really personal question. I guess I didn't think of it as a personal question. If you're asking me to understand it, I need to understand it. Yeah, I mean, if you're asking someone— Or me to respect it. Yes, exactly. If you're asking someone to hold that as a truth, Mm -hmm. that you are a he, even though biologically you are a she— I'm going to need a little bit more. I'm, I'm going to need to know the why. If you want me to respect that about you, just like if you say, hey, I'm a Christian, why? I mean, right. I'm going to ha- I'm, if you want me to respect that about you, certainly I'm going to need to or, have a little understanding. Or can you live it? Yeah, or can, exactly. Right? Like exactly. as a Christian woman, am I living yeah. that? Right. Because if I'm not, I would hope that you would Great call point. me yeah. on it. So this these girls who would say, please call me a he, but then present as a female, that's when I'm like, you're not living it. Mm-hmm. So why? Right. If you're not living it, why should I live it for you? And, and I've and spoken to you. one of their mothers on the phone. There was a there was a terrible incident and I called the mother and I don't know the mother, but I called her and I said, Hey, I want you to know something. And she was crying out for help. Oh wow. She said She said, I don't understand the trauma that my child has has lived to get her here mm-hmm. or him here. She said him. She called him a him. That would be one of the hardest things as a parent. And and that's the thing. It's like as parents, we're being left out of the conversation. My child is going to school and being surrounded by people, peers, who are living this and teachers who are affirming mm-hmm. this and I'm being left out of the conversation. And some of these other parents are being left out of the conversation. Like they are, everyone is grasping for the why. Mm-hmm. This it is, kills me. It kills me too because it does seem like even if your child does identify as transgender, Right. It seems like you are not allowed to have a seat at the table. Right. My child has been in three different therapies. Your child has. So my oldest is in therapy. And when she goes to her therapy sessions, I don't go. And I'm not privy to those conversations unless they are about something that would harm her or harm another person. How do you feel about that? It's tough. Because your daughter's only 13 years old. It's tough. I've been invited in on one conversation with a psychologist. Can you see a difference in your daughter? Do you feel like those sessions are making a difference? I know that she's seeing a Christian counselor, so I'm hoping that what the counselor is saying to her would mirror what I would say, and she hears it differently Mm -hmm. because it's not her mom. Correct? But um, she seems to be okay, but the problem is is that my daughter feels things she... (laughs) Funny, she feels things very extreme, yeah. right? She went through a time in her life where her friends dropped her and she said, Mommy, I can't go to the school anymore. I don't want to see these people. Get me out of here. Get me out of here. So we started the track of moving her schools. Wow. Fast forward like two months when her friends are like, I'm better now and I like you again. And now she's like, please don't take me away oh my from my gosh. friends. And then they're the same people. Yeah. That's the thing about our young girls, particularly. Young girls, yeah. females in general, we yeah. are empathetic mm-hmm. people. 
We are way more empathetic than males are, especially young males versus young females. We we take on those feelings of each other. Like right now, I'm sitting here, I'm tearing uh, up with you. Sorry. That's, no, that's just how we are. I think it's a beautiful quality, actually, that women possess. But unfortunately, in the case of our young kids who are so impressionable, yeah. This is they're they're so darn confused to begin with already about who they are, what they believe, why they believe it. They're on that journey to figure it out. And when I said earlier, you know, we said dating mm-hmm. and I said I pumped the brakes with my daughter. I told her at this age, we're not going to identify as anything. Mm-hmm. We're not going to identify as gay, bisexual, straight. I need you to identify as a student who can pass math class Amen, this sister. year. Yeah. Right. We're not dating. I might ask every once in a while, like she'll she'll talk about a boy and I go, oh, is he cute? You know, just because. (laughs) Yeah. That's what moms do. Right. Yeah. But we went through a really hard March Mm -hmm. with a lot of confusion. There was some self-harm in there. It was deep. You just said it. You, you, You talk to these moms. I've talked to so many parents who have poured their hearts out to me. My daughter's not even three yet. So I haven't had to. Uh, walk through some of these challenges yet lord help me what challenge it'll be when my daughter is 13 you know Who 10 knows? years from now but something that you just said and I, I think this is a really it's a really great takeaway because parents are grasping they don't know what to do they don't know what to say i think first things first you obviously got your child and again your your daughter is just the one who's having to deal with the friends and the peers i mean and but, she's so empathetic yeah, and she's so it, caring and she loves everybody for who they are and she and that's beautiful doesn't understand why we are telling her, like, this isn't what God's design Correct. is. Yeah. And that would be hard as a 13-year-old because, again, it goes back to that why. She's mm-hmm. got to figure out her whys and what she believes and why she believes it. She's got to figure out why mom does what, what dad does. But but, uh, but you took the first step, which I think therapy is great, and finding the right therapist also very right. important. I feel like the fact that you've got a Christian-based therapist is probably a good sign. But you also said, you know, hey, we're 13. We're not going to identify as anything right now. What a great approach, Emily. I think yeah. that's a really great approach with your, with your young ones. We have um, – Someone in my family, he's rather young. He came to me um, and he told me that he is bisexual. And I said, dude, do you even know what that means? He's 15. You know, I'm like, do you know what that means? You would think at 15 he would know. Right? But he didn't. When you when didn't. you sit and ask these kids, really, and, I mean, his response was, well, it means I like boys and I like girls. I said, buddy, I like boys and I like girls. But there is a difference between being in love with someone and that at the age of 70, imagine sitting around your Christmas tree with your kids or your, with your partner. With who your, is yeah, it? Yeah, who is it? And so I just, I don't know. I think a big part of it is parents are maybe afraid to have the conversations. Obviously not you. But the fact that you just said, no, girl, we're not going to identify as anything right now. But a 13-year-old girl trying to pass math. What a great option for moms and dads. We also had the conversation about temptation versus sin the temptation is there mm-hmm. when you act on the temptation that's when the sin is yeah we all have temptations there is this great quote but it always stuck with me because for the most part i was raised to be an obedient child which is a good thing and a bad thing but as i as i've gotten older and have a daughter of my own there's a difference between you know obedience and just and doing what is right because it's right. And there's this quote that says, morality is doing what's right no matter what you're told. Obedience is doing what you're told no matter what's right. Mm. And I, to me, it kind of plays into this transgender conversation. Mm. You know, you, you want to raise a child who, yes, wants to cooperate and, and 
follow the rules, but more importantly, you, you need to raise a child who has their own moral compass. And I right. think that comes with having these really hard conversations. Yeah, and I told Elsa, if you had your very strong convictions, your own truths, faiths, morals, values, beliefs, right. yeah. you can be around a group of people who who don't have any of the same and still hold fast. That's right. That's right. She's impressionable right now. Mm-hmm. So she's going into these conversations where whatever the majority is doing, that social con what's it called? The social Social contagion. Yep. The social contagion. So whatever is happening around her, she's being pulled into that. Mm-hmm. I struggle with am I forming her into what I want her to be? Or is she forming herself into what she wants to be? Mm-hmm. Or is it the peers? And so many people are saying, you're the mom, hold fast, do what's, do what your gut says. And I go, I want her to be her. Mm-hmm. And well. she's struggling with this yeah. right now. She's 13. Right. You know, our brains are not fully developed until we are 25 years right. old. And you probably were the same way. We just went to church every Sunday. Mm-hmm. I went to youth group mm-hmm. every Wednesday. It was just what we did. Yeah. My friends all were the same. You know, I went to Carroll High School. We had fellow Christian athletes. Yep, we, I was around people who believed the same thing as me. And when people were introduced into the circle that didn't believe the same, I could respect them, mm-hmm. but I didn't fall into that. I had the same. I, I grew up in a really Christian home, like you said, this awesome, you know, TGIF, Family Matters, Boy oh, yeah. World kind of lifestyle. Our, our, we our had dinner together. Players. We had, you know, dinner together. It was really great. But I'll tell you what. I stepped out of that bubble that I grew up in uh, of a town of less than, I think, 3,000 at the time. We might have cracked 3,500 at this point. I don't know. I'd have to look. But I went to college. I went to Penn State. I went to a huge Division I school, and it rocked my world. I bet. Culture shock. Culture shock. So something that's really important to me as a mom, and I'm going to sound like a, a broken record here, luckily I was raised with a really firm foundation. Again, I was a really obedient kid, and that obedience didn't really translate into morality until probably through those college years it took me a while to to realize when your frontal lobe becomes more formed correct correct exactly like we're talking about that brain (laughs) until you're 25 but it took me a long time to get there and realize there's a difference between obedience and morality and doing what i believe and why i believe it Uh, and so i feel like i mean i learned that really hard lesson late teens early 20s and so it's, it's so unfair we are forcing our kiddos to have to learn that lesson now right. at such a younger age. But I had really hard conversations with my parents during those four years of my, my college. In fact, that was when I was on my like deepest self-journey. Did you fall away from church as well? For the first couple of years, yes. Because I, mean, I, I did the same thing. I, I think it's like, yeah, your moral compass gets rocked. It gets rocked. I mean, I went. Um, I went and found a boy. Yeah, I, 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 also, <laughs> I found a boy. I did that too. And I mean, I went to church, but I, and I say that, but my heart wasn't in it. So that's why I kind of say, eh, like I, I don't even count it because mm-hmm. my heart wasn't in it. And again, I was doing it out of being an obedient child of uh, mm-hmm. this is what I'm doing because I think it's right instead of just doing what really was right for me. And it took me, again, about all four years. I look back, and it was the greatest journey for me, but, and it is why I am the way I am now. However, I just think it goes back to my parents and I had really tough, hard conversations for those four years because that, that culture shock rocked me. And unfortunately, it's we got to start those conversations now with our kids, 9, 10, 11, from such a really young age. And going back to that event that we were at, that was my biggest takeaway, Emily, is that... 
whether it's alcohol, drugs, sex, suicide, transgenderism, you name it. Yeah, let's change change what it is. Yeah. I told my daughter that. If you came to me and told me that you were doing heroin, am I just supposed to go, great, how can I support you? Yeah. Oh, you identify as a drug addict now? And people keep saying, we have to just let people be people. But in my no, journey don't. of education, yeah. I've learned that me allowing... So the question is, why does it matter what I'm doing in my home? What does that, how does that affect you? Mm-hmm. And it's like, if you're asking me to be okay with this, then you're asking me to go against everything that I believe. You're asking me to affirm a lie. That's what it is. People are asking others to affirm lies. That's how and I view it. That's where the, the lines get really blurred for me mm-hmm. because I want to love everyone and I want to be able to say, okay, Kayla, you want to be called Kent now mm-hmm. and say he, him. I guess I still like you as a person. You're kind to me. You're, you're, you're good to others. And I can call you whatever you need to because that doesn't change my beliefs. But does it? What's that saying? Uh, hate the sin, love the sinner. Right. Um, and I try to hold fast to that as well. But I also know that it is really challenging. It is. Um, I know because we've talked one of the important things is you sometimes is it's just like it's just like for an alcoholic, right? If you're a recovering alcoholic, you're not going to go hang to the out bar. with alcoholics, right? right? You're not going to go sit at the bar, and it doesn't mean I hate the alcoholic or non-alcoholics. You could look at it either way. It just means, hey, I'm on this different journey than you are, and that's flipping okay. That's the problem. We can't have these mm-hmm. different journeys anymore. Um, but I know that you're doing this. You are changing your daughter's school. We are. We made some big moves. We are moving out of the district, and we're working hard to get her into a Christian school. Bravo to you guys. So we'll see if it works. I can't imagine <laughs> the amount of courage it's that a has lot. taken as a mom, both you and Cheryl, really, as parents. She, she hates us, Yeah, right? I'm sure she does. She's upset. Yeah. We picked her up for the last day of school. She was crying, and I get it. We're this not is, moving countries. Yeah. We're not moving states. She can still see... Her friends, mm-hmm. um, no one wants to drive 20 minutes. I'll drive 20 minutes yeah, I'll take if it's it. worth it. Yeah, absolutely. So at the end of the day, um, what's your best advice or maybe even your best hope, I don't know, for moms, for parents, grandparents, I don't care, aunts, uncles, dealing with, um, and again, it doesn't even have to be their their kid going through this mm-hmm. he, him, her pronoun right. thing. It could just, again, because this is the thing about this whole transgenderism craze that we've somehow gotten off on this topic into. But yeah. whether whether your kid identifies as an opposite sex or not, it could it's absolutely could still impact your home. Yes. Just again, with your friends, with your kids coming home and saying, hey, my BFF now identifies as a boy, even and though it's, then it's like, can I spend the night at his house? And yeah, I don't. Oh. Yeah, no. And Elsa's told me, well, I, you don't have to worry about that. I love being a girl. I'll always just be a girl. And that's great. So that means that I don't have to deal with it, in, like I said, internally. But I need to understand it yeah. if we're dealing with it with friends and everything else. Um, I don't know what the takeaway would be. I just think Elsa is a mature individual. And I I got it. I, I let it get away from me. Mm-hmm. I let her take too much control. So just hold fast. Yeah. I think hold fast, and you're doing all the right things. I mean, you are having really challenging conversations, which 
Which keep again, them young, you know? Yeah. Try to keep them young. Keep them young. Keep their innocence. That's the thing. We, we've all of a sudden stripped the innocence from our kids. We are forcing them to grow up so fast. And something you said before we started, before we started recording was, will you miss the car rides? Yeah. Yeah, because so at this new school, they'll be taking the bus to and from school. Right. So. Yeah, won't you miss those one-on-one? And honestly, that's when you do catch up. That's yeah. when you ask all the questions. How was school? What'd you learn? Mm-hmm. And luckily, my daughter still comes to me and goes, oh, my gosh, mommy, <laughs> I have so much tea. And it's all about who's dating who and who broke up with who and sure. who pissed off who. Yeah, that, and... But that's special. That's beautiful. And then I go, yeah. did you learn anything today? Yeah. What about reading? How is that going? How, How social studies? Right. Yeah. What's your what's your grades looking like? Oh, that was just lunch. And I'm like, oh, geez, Louise. Yeah. Like, yeah. Blah. But that's just but, it, though. Yeah, I, get to, I still get to be a part of the conversation. And I think that's important. Stay a part of the conversation. Stay a part of the conversation for as long as you can. Right. I think my big takeaway is, you know, a lot, of, a lot of parents have said to me, I feel like it's too late with their kids. They feel like they've I, lost them. I have felt that way, too. And maybe that's maybe so, but I will tell you, I'll tell you this, Emily, from you, I'm taking away that it's not too late. I, I really am. I mean, yeah. Elsa's 13. I feel like this, again, transgender craze just kind of has reared its ugly head in the past couple of years. It's caught a lot of moms and dads and churches and Christians just off guard in, in general. Maybe yes. not, not all of them, but I, I certainly feel like it caught me a little bit off guard. Me too. Um, so no, I don't think it's too late. I don't think it's ever too late to have any conversation. Um, of just knowing why you believe what you believe. And even if that's just transferring as a mom, even with my baby girl, hey, this is why we believe in God. This is why we are Christians. This is why we use good manners. You know, just this is why we eat our vegetables. What I mean, yeah. it can be anything. Keep asking the questions. Yeah, I just think that's really got to be the first place of where you start. I wish you the best of luck. Thank I know you. I'll be in your chair in just a couple of weeks. Um, we'll have to catch up. Ladies, you know... I like to end each episode of the News Mom podcast with my my big takeaway or my big takeaways. But dang it, I'm downright ticked off and I'm feeling a little saucy about it. I'm mad because I know that right now, even as Emily is driving home or, or driving to work or wherever she's going, she feels like the bad guy. She feels like the villain for not affirming the lies of her daughter's friends who, you know, woke up and suddenly decided to identify as the opposite sex. She feels like the bad guy for not affirming those lies. And man, I am I'm mad that these demands to affirm lies have made people like Emily and other conservative Christian moms who already have it hard enough when it comes to raising their kids. I'm mad that these demands have made them feel like the bad guys, like they are doing something wrong. I'm here to tell you, mamas, that the sky is blue and I will be damned if they force me into a corner to demand that I call it yellow. I will not affirm a lie just to make you feel better. In the same way, I'm not going to tell an alcoholic that just one drink is no big deal. The fact that so many educators, administrators, government officials camp counselors, social media influencers, whatever. The fact that all of these people or so many of these people want me to so desperately normalize tuck-friendly swimsuits for kiddos and the fact that they also desperately want me to be okay with drag queens reading kids' books in schools and the fact that they so desperately want me to be okay with those books containing graphic sexual content and LGBTQ themes makes me think that they know that they know they're in the wrong. That's why they so desperately want me to affirm their lies. 
1 Corinthians 15, 33, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good character. Why does that happen? Why does bad company corrupt good character? Because misery loves company. They want to bring you down to their level. How do they do this? By making you feel like the villain. Mama, don't let your good character be corrupt by bad company, even if that is your 13-year-old daughter's best friend. I am so, so, so unbelievably proud of Emily. She has removed her kids from where they're going to school, and she and her husband are, are picking up their family, where they've raised their kids, where they've been for over the last 10 years, and they're moving across town. It's really similar to me, like that, like that alcoholic making that courageous decision not to step foot back in a bar. He or she is not a bad person for not walking back into the bar. It's just they know bad company corrupts good character. And he or she is not the villain for that. Emily is not the bad guy. In fact, I would argue you are quite the opposite. And M, you might not be allowed to have a seat at their inclusive little table. Who cares? You can come sit at mine. If you are enjoying the News Mom podcast, the best thing that you can do for me is give me a five-star rating, please. Or if you don't feel like I deserve a five-star rating, that's fine. Still give me a rating either way, uh, particularly on iTunes if you're downloading the show there. But you can download the News Mom podcast anywhere you download a podcast. I've got you on Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon. We are all over the place. Um, if you ever need help finding the News Mom podcast link to download, you can always reach out to me via my email, kblakesley at wowo.com. Until next time, this is the News Mom Podcast. She roasts a turkey while roasting lawmakers. This is News Mom.